This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. It is the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets, live from the Subway to Shea studios in my office. Episode 76 is here, and what a freaking homestand, Mets fans. I mean, am I right? What a homestand. The Mets go 9-2 and two at home, 4 out of 5 from the Atlanta Braves. They sweep the Cincinnati Reds, and then they take two out of three this past weekend from the Philadelphia Phillies. 35 games over 500. Right now sitting at 75 and 40. The confidence isn't at all time high right now. If you're not confident in this Mets team, I don't know when you'll ever be confident in this Mets team. So get on board with this team because this is an exciting group. They're fun to watch. They play a great brand of baseball. They have a great manager. And I really feel that we're starting to see something special here. Now, when I tell you to be confident and keep your confidence in an all-time high, it doesn't mean to get cocky, though. Don't get cocky. We got a huge road trip coming up. It's the biggest of the season. And we're going four in Atlanta. We're going four in Philadelphia, including a Saturday doubleheader and two in the Bronx against the New York Yankees. Just take it one day at a time, one game at a time. Let's take care of business, and that starts with Carlos Carrasco on the mound in the first game against the Atlanta Braves. Now, a little bit of advice that I would like to bestow upon everyone, and I mentioned this on a tweet, and it got a lot got a lot of uh, likes. I said to, you know, don't worry about what Philly fans are saying. Don't worry about what Braves fans are saying. Let's just focus on the Mets and what they are doing and the fact that they continue day in, day out to take care of business. That's all we can do as Mets fans. That's all we can do. Don't let any of these fan bases get under your skin. Just focus on what we're doing and the team that we've put together, and how well they've been playing. This is the second best start in franchise history, and I hope it continues, and I hope it leads us all the way to the end of October, which will now be into November when the World Series comes around, because those schedules for that whole playoff was released, and the World Series is going to go into November this year with the new added playoff teams. So, Again, let's just focus on the Mets and what they are doing and the fact that they continue to take care of business. Like I said, that's all we can do as Mets fans. That's all we can do. 
Now, we have a special guest on this week in what I like to call a crossover. And if you've listened to this podcast on the regular, you know that I love a good crossover. So, following the Mets' win against the Phillies and a series victory, I hopped on post-game, post-series live stream on the Talking Mets with Rob YouTube channel. The host of that channel is Rob Linehan. Rob is a diehard Mets fan like myself and has poured his heart into creating content for this channel, whether it's news, rumors, or live streams that include in-game live shows. Rob is kind enough to join us now because I thought, why not cross-promote for each other? Rob, how you doing, buddy? Good, Anthony. How you doing, buddy? Oh, great. It was great uh, hopping on with you yesterday for the live stream. And I've posted that on all my social media that will also be on the description of this week's podcast. So everyone who hasn't seen it can go there. Great discussions, great talk, great banter with uh, other teams fans. So it was a lot of fun. Well, we're going to get into the Mets magnificent homestand, which to fan bases of other teams in the division is considered a lucky homestand. But first, (laughs) Rob, we are a Officially, today on Beatty Watch, that's right, Brett Beatty, there is a possibility that he could be coming up if this injury to Luis Guillorme is, you know, somewhat serious. According to Mike Puma, sounds like the Mets haven't ruled out the possibility of promoting Brett Beatty, depending on, like I said, what Luis Guillorme's MRI shows today. Mark Vientos, uh, a right-handed bat, has not been in the discussion to come up. So uh, Luis Guillorme obviously suffered this injury, a left groin tightness on Sunday versus the Phillies by rounding third base. He had a little bit of trouble there. He kind of slowed down and sped back up, and then he started limping all the way home. So we don't know at this moment where this injury and how far this injury will take Luis Guillermo out for. We don't know how serious it is yet, but the fact that you know Mike Puma had mentioned that there has been discussions about Brett Beatty being the one to be the first out of these prospects to get the call up, I found to be very interesting. I didn't initially know how to take this, but I had to check out with Joe DeMeo, and I don't know if you follow Joe DeMeo, who covers Mets prospects for SNY, and he had to say in his tweet that if Luis Guillermo is going to miss real time, he is not opposed to Brett Beatty coming up. Uh, he didn't want him to, you know, come up for a week and go back, which was something that we talked about yesterday on your show, about, you know, Vientos and the rest of the prospects just getting this short amount of time to come up you know I think I feel best about Beatty's chances at the big league level right now and that was from uh, Joe DeMeo Rob what do you think about the possibility of the Mets calling up Brett Beatty is it too early or do you think he's ready yeah honestly with Brett Beatty I think it's a the perfect time to do so. I mean, it was kind of a given signs when he when um the Mets brought him up to ch- promote him to AAA. And I honestly think I'm like, you know, everybody talked about Alvarez and Vientos about possibly coming up. Nobody really talked about Beatty. So now that you're hearing rumors with Puma and DeMeo saying that he's ready to go, I think he's probably the most ready out of anybody in our top five uh, prospect in our system. So I think Beatty will bring an instant spark. He, he looks like he's really good defensively. And oh, by the way, he can actually play left field if need be as well. But obviously, he'll be the third baseman if Guillermo goes on the DL. I mean, the IL, excuse me. But, I mean, to get that spark from a young player that is our number two prospect, I think it's – I don't even think it's a question. I think as soon as Guillermo, if he does go on the IL, call him up right away. 
and how good Beatty will be. How would the lineup look with Brett Beatty in the middle of this lineup against the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta? I think it's a no-brainer to bring him up if Guillermo does go on the IL for sure. And you look at the Braves. You mentioned the Braves. They've brought up, you know, Michael Harris. They brought up Grissom. So the Mets kind of bringing up their own youngster in, you know, Brett Beatty, who's kind of really risen really quickly and has polished himself, you know, through the ranks, through double A. You know, he went to triple A this week. Uh, He's played very well. You look at his stats uh, this season between both double A and triple A, 19 home runs, 60 RBIs, a batting average of 315, on base percentage 410, slugging 533, and an OPS of 943. I mean, he has been tearing the cover off the ball. And that was the big thing that we've, you know, been thinking about with Brett Beatty. We knew the offense was there, but was the defense there? And you, I listened earlier to the Mets pod with Joe DeMeo, and they talked about, you know, bringing Brett Beatty up from double A to triple A and they were wondering why he was you know held down for so long in double A with the offense that he had and it was because of the defense they wanted him to get more opportunities to work with the defensive coordinator down there and um he really helped out Beatty to then move him up to AAA this past week. And the fact that there may be an opportunity that we see him get called up, I mean, that it's really good to see on the Mets side, you know, these prospects kind of coming to fruition here. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't want to see anybody get hurt on the Mets. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, wow, maybe Guillermo should go on the I.O. because I want to see Brett Beatty come up. He's obviously going to be better offensively than Luis Guillermo. Defensively, probably not. Guillermo is a wizard. But like you were saying, Beatty defensively was the key to getting him promoted to AAA and possibly even the majors. And with him improving every year in every section of the minor leagues with his defense and we know his offense plays, I mean, you just said the numbers. That most likely, even if it's not, you know, all those home runs and the RBIs and maybe not 315 at the in the major league level, but if he can bat 270 in the majors and, you know, have that pop that we somewhat desperately need on this in this lineup still, because that's still one thing we're kind of lacking on in this offense. And I think Brett Beatty could be what Michael Conforto was in 2015, bringing him up so quickly to help an offense that could use a little bit more power. And Brett Beatty, if he's ready to go and the Mets believe he is, and even like you said with Joe DeMeo, that I had him on my channel, I believe last uh, in the off season of talking about prospects, he said Brett Beatty looks like the most ready. And that was in the off season. That was almost a year ago. So I honestly think Brett Beatty's ready to go. And how I, I want him here, honestly. I don't want to see Guillermo go hurt and on the IL, but man, it would be, it would pump up the fan base even more so than they already are right now. Yeah, it definitely tells me if. Guillaume goes on the IL. This has to be a serious injury for Brett Beatty to come up because you're not just bringing him up for a week. You're not just bringing him up, yeah. you know, because the options have changed now. You can only, you know, option a player five times in a season or throughout yeah. his tenure. So bringing him up just to get that little trial run, I don't think they would do that. I think that this is a very serious move that they'll be making. And he also, you know, he also plays other parts of the field, which is important. He plays yeah. left field. Um, they showed him gunning a runner out at home the other day uh, in AAA. Yeah. So he can play multiple uh, parts of the field. Is some Something that 
Buck Showalter likes his versatility. The versatility of the entire Mets right now is is very important to him. And and that's a reason why I think that we won't see Vientos come up here because Vientos right now, considering what we've all been told about him, is really a DH. He's really a DH. He doesn't have a position. He doesn't play third base well. Maybe he could play first, but we already have a log jam at first base. Francisco Alvarez, he's probably not going to come up uh, yet as well, unless there's some serious injury to one of the catchers. He still needs a little bit of seasoning behind the plate and calling games, and you don't really want to thrust a rookie catcher into a playoff hunt with the pitching staff that we have. So the ideal guy to come up here is Britt Beatty, and you know it's going to be very interesting if he does come up here. It's not guaranteed. It was just a newsworthy item that came up last night when Mike Puma posted that tweet. So I put a little Beatty watch on Twitter and uh, we'll see where that goes. But let's get into the Mets homestand and the success that they had. I mentioned it earlier on in my show. The Mets had a very successful homestand going 9-2. and two. They took 4 out of 5 from Atlanta. They swept Cincinnati. And then they took 2 out of 3 this past weekend from the Philadelphia Phillies. Great starting pitching. Timely hitting. And solid bullpen help this whole week. This whole homestand. What is your biggest takeaway from what you saw not only this past weekend but the entire homestand? The bullpen, 100%. We know after the trade deadline, we only got givens. We didn't get that lefty. And to see what Lugo has done ever since the Yankee series at City Field, he's been almost dominant in his outings ever since that Yankee series when he came in uh, in that first game against the Yankees. And Trevor May coming back, he's looking good. Given struggled a little bit in his first appearance with the Mets, but other than that, he's been pretty good. I still don't trust Joel Ali Rodriguez, but he had that out in the other day against the Braves where we needed him to pitch multiple innings, and he did. And it, I honestly think it was all about the bullpen. We know the starting pitching is going to be good. We we knew the lineup is going to uh, be productive and put runs up on the board, or at least at least one or two runs like we saw against the Phillies to win a ball game. I honestly think 100% the bullpen was the biggest X factor in this homestand for sure, Anthony. Well, you look at the bullpen, as you mentioned, Edwin Diaz. How about Edwin Diaz continuing to just amaze not only myself, but the entire fan base? You know, a lot of people were down on him after 2019, including me. I mentioned that I've wanted to, you know, trade him if he had a great, you know, start to this season and maybe they could put, you know, a Seth Lugo as the closer. I've eaten that crow. I've admitted it on air. And just watching Edwin Diaz, big game after big game, another achievement unlocked for him this season. He reached 200 saves this past weekend against the Phillies. You look at what Edwin Diaz has done, and it has been amazing. This season, 2-1 with a 1.33 ERA in 47 games. He has 94 strikeouts in 47 and a third innings pitched, a whip of 87. The last, well, let's look at the last 15 games. He has not given up a run. In the last 15 games, he's got 33 strikeouts in 16 innings pitched. I mean, the guy's a strikeout machine. I don't know how many times this season that I've seen him strike out the side. It's just amazing what he has been able to do and turning his his season around. You don't really see that as much. Once the Mets get down on a player, the Mets fan base, that's pretty much it for that, that player. And somehow he's been able to turn around this season. His entrance has become, you know, elite. 
And Rob, do you ever expect we would be, get this elite a level, this elite version of Edwin Diaz while he was in a Mets uniform? No, absolutely not. I don't even think he would have been anywhere near to what the dominance he has shown this year. I mean, I thought he would get better just being in New York a couple more years and just, you know, just having the filthy stuff he we all know he has. It was all about, I just think, his confidence. And I don't know if that's Buck Showalter taking him to the side and saying, hey, listen, you got great stuff. You are, you got, you could be the best closer in baseball. I don't know if it was Buck Showalter doing it. I don't know if it's the pitching coaches that are getting in his head. I don't know what it was, but we all remember the the terrible job he did in 2019 in his first year with the Mets and the, the Dodger game I can, uh, that always replays in my head, uh, blowing leads like that, blowing saves. And to come in 2022 and see him so dominant, I mean, he's near almost 100% unhittable. And, you know, I know people is like, oh, we'll see it in the playoffs. But until we get there, I mean, he's, he's going to get Cy Young votes. That's how good he's been in the closer. And I know people are trying to say, oh, but he's not no Mariano Rivera. Well, Mariano Rivera never had a year like R Diaz is having right now. Now, obviously, longevity is what we would want from Edwin Diaz to even get in the same conversation with Mariano Rivera. But he is putting up better stats than Mariano Rivera ever did as a closer of the Yankees. So that's something to say. The best closer ever in Rivera, Diaz, is somewhat in the same conversation, at least for a single season. And being, him being so dominant gives me more confidence in this team going a long way in the playoffs, for sure. Yeah, I always try to stay away from the comparisons, especially with a Hall of Famer. I mean, we know what Mariano Rivera did, his uh, reign in the postseason and all that stuff. So I, it's really hard to just compare any reliever at all to the what you know Mariano Rivera accomplished. But we will see what Edwin Diaz can do when the Mets go to the postseason. But if anything is fact at this moment in time, the reason, one of the reasons that they get to the postseason, he's a huge part of it. Edwin Diaz is a huge part of this Mets team taking off the way that they have and him having this elite season, especially among Met relievers. And you look at closers of the past, the Billy Wagners of the world, Jesse Orozco, Roger McDowell, Tug McGraw, uh, John Franco. I don't think that any of them, if, if there's to be any comparisons, I don't think any of them have had quite the season that Edwin Diaz has had. So you go and you look at the closer, the Mets have a very elite closer, maybe the best in the league, and quite possibly the best starting rotation in all of baseball. And those are two successes that you need when you go to the uh, postseason. And I got this this tweet from Tim Britton. I always like bringing up stats on the show. Uh, Tim Britton, the Mets beat writer for The Athletic, wrote this on the rotation. Since July 1st, the Mets starters ERA, Max Scherzer, 1.36, Jacob deGrom, 1.62, Carlos Carrasco, 1.69, Chris Bassett, 1.79, and Taiwan Walker has a 4.78, and most of that came during that one really bad start that he had. So, I mean, besides that as well, Taiwan Taiwan Walker, who's got 10 wins on the season, has had an incredible season. Him, Carrasco, held down this rotation when 
there was injuries to Scherzer, injuries to Grom, and even Chris Bassett wasn't right during that time. And those two held it down. I mean, what more can you possibly say about this rotation, Rob? Um, honestly, nothing. Honestly, it's <laughs> real, they really, they really been that good. Like those, those stats are sexy. Like it's just there's nothing else you can say about it except that every time you go to City Field or you watch the game on TV when they're on the road, you know you're gonna have a quality start from every starting pitcher. All right, Walker had that bad outing against the Braves. I was actually at that game. But the Mets didn't even give up in that ball game. And it just shows that they pick up their pitchers when a pitcher, once in a blue moon, doesn't have a good outing. And you saw with Scherzer against uh, Philly on Friday, he didn't have his best stuff. But he still only stopped them for getting only one run. And it's just amazing what this staff is doing. And we all know pitching wins championship. Pitching gives you a shot. And when you got the starting pitcher pitching like the Mets and a closer like Diaz, they're going to be very hard to beat in the postseason. Nothing's guaranteed, but you know what? I'd rather have a good start, a good starting three in a playoff and one of the best closers in baseball going into a postseason. I don't think anybody can match that. that yeah, this, uh, this rotation is just making us dream of what could happen if they get to October and it's all good vibes at this moment as long as they stay healthy, as long as Buck keeps them on track, you know, with their innings, with their pitches, you can see he doesn't really really push them as hard to go a certain amount of innings. We'll get that eight inning game from a Carrasco one day or a Bassett one day, but he's really taking his time with DeGrom and Scherzer. And I, I know a lot of fans want to see them, you know, pitch uh, complete games, but I want to see them pitch complete games if we get to the playoffs, because then you know that they are really going to help this team get very far in the postseason. Another player who has been very, very important, and I, I know we just talked about an achievement for Edwin Diaz, but let's talk about this achievement for Francisco Lindor, who broke Jose Reyes's record for most RBIs in a single season as a New York Met, 82 RBIs. You know, how about this run that Lindor is on right now? Do you think he's worth every dollar, Rob? Right now, absolutely. Uh, I was never the, the person to just look at his salary and be like oh he, he's never gonna he's never gonna have a season to earn that salary well I never thought somebody who's making all that money well over 300 million dollars can ever live up to a contract like that but what he provides for this team is not just the most RBIs in Mets history as a shortstop not just getting his batting average over 270 not just all those RBIs gonna have probably close to 30 home runs by the end of the year. He provides the leadership that I think Buck gave him the confidence in himself. And, you know, him and McNeil were basically at each other's throats last year. And now they were a really good double play tandem. And I think the leadership that he brings and the, the confidence he gives to the team, like I was telling you on the channel, like there's certain players that don't make other players better on their team. We talked about Harper on my channel yesterday. I think Lindor make other players better with his confidence, with his knowledge, and with just him being himself, I think he makes the players around him better. And I think he actually made McNeil a better player, at least defensively. And when you have a player like that with that type of leadership skills and the clutchness that he's shown in years past with Cleveland in the playoffs, I mean, he might get better. And who knows, if you get five, six really good to great years out of Francisco Lindor out of a 10-year deal, I think it's every penny worth it, in my opinion. You know, he struggled a whole lot last season, but we saw the leadership there. We saw his defense. Uh, we saw a little bit of the hitting 
before and after he got injured. But this season, it's all come together. 20 home runs, 82 RBIs, like I mentioned before. He's only batting 269, which, you know, it's okay. Uh, OPS of 805. But you look at his last 30 games, he's batting 351. His slugging percentage of 553, got five home runs, 22 RBIs, probably will end up having the best season, the best single season for a Mets shortstop in their history. I mean, there's there's not much more. He comes up clutch, big hits from him, big hits from Pete Alonzo, and it's mm-hmm. what they need uh, from this team and from this offense. The Mets are going to have to rely on those two guys to lead the charge offensively, and um, I have no doubt that they will continue to succeed. And then you sprinkle in some of the other Mets here. You know, you have that, the Mets have kind of sort of unleashed that three-headed monster, uh, Daniel Vogelback, Tyler Naquin, and Darren Ruff. How do you describe Describe the importance that all three have brought to this team, especially during this run the Mets have been on. You know, I just think they're quality for hitters in the right spots. I think that's exactly what Eppler was looking for. You know, he didn't want to give up any prospect in the top 20 to get a big back like a Mancini. But with Vogelback, Naquin, and Ruff, you know, you put Vogie out there with a right-hander, he crushes them. You put Ruff against a left-hander, he crushes them. Naquin is versatile in the outfield, and he's a guy who provided, I think he has three home runs, if I'm not mistaken, with the Mets already. And with the, the scariness of what they can do in the DH role and the platoon role, unlike Dom and Davis did, which is basically nothing offensively. I mean, Vogie has been a folk hero. I mean, you know, he hits his home runs in bunches like he eats his donuts, like he said. (laughs) He's just a very, very fun guy to be around. He got a standing ovation when he went out on Saturday when I was at the game when he came out for warm-up. That, like, that's something that you don't see every day. And he's a DH. He's not a guy who can play the field. And he's just a DH. And Ruff, you know, he, he's been struggling a little bit. But he is a guy that I think can be a big difference when it comes to left-handers, uh, facing left-handers for this Mets lineup. I mean, you can't ask for more for those three guys. As you said, the three-headed mount. That's basically what they are. Every one of them has produced in big spots. And in the Braves series every one of them came through against the Braves at City Field and I expect them to do that the same in this Braves series coming up yeah everything that we expected and wanted from Dom Smith and JD Davis the talent that we thought that they had never showed up the first half of the season never showed up up till the trade deadline which was like three three and a half months and then you get Daniel Vogelback Tyler Naquin and Darren Ruff within a week of each other and they already have contributed more in that week than the other guys have in the time that they were here. I mean, Daniel Vogelback, three home runs, 11 RBIs. He's batting 308. You look at Tyler Naquin, three home runs, seven RBIs, 306. And then Darren Ruff, he doesn't have a home run, but he has five RBIs already and is batting 333. Mm -hmm. These guys have just done everything that has been asked and required of them that we thought we were going to get from what we thought was a very talented Dom Smith and uh, J.D. Davis. And it it was worked out. The Mets have been on a stellar run because of not only the starting pitching, not only Edwin Diaz, not only um, the rest of the lineup, but these three guys have added so much importance. This whole team, it, it's it's been a team effort this whole year, and it's been great to see. Once again, I'm here with Rob Linehan, content creator and host of Talking Mets with Rob on YouTube. Now, Rob, upcoming road trip, a big one. I said at the beginning of this podcast that this road trip is the biggest of the season for an 
Atlanta, four in Philadelphia, including a Saturday doubleheader, and two in the Bronx against the Yankees. What are your expectations going into and coming out of this trip with uh, the New York Mets? Well, I do agree with you about this is going to be an important uh, road trip for sure. And I think this is going to, this whole, what is it, 10 games, if I'm not mistaken, 11 games uh, road trip, I think it's going to determine if the Mets are going to be division winners or not, in my opinion. I think it's going to determine that because if the Mets, even if they go 500 in this road trip, I think it's going to be a successful one. I think we'll do better, but even 500 on this road trip, I think will just be good enough to keep and maintain a five and a half game lead or if it's six and a half or four and a half. I think, it, you know, you're knocking more games off the schedule and you're not having a two and 10 uh, road trip or two or a two and eight road trip or something like that. That's something that we have to avoid. Like I said on my channel yesterday, the Mets, all they need to do in this Brave series uh, I'll talk about that real quick uh, since it's the first series coming up. They only have to split. If they split, they gain, they lose no ground. And then whatever happens with Philly, you know, winning the series, even losing two out of three, it, it, as long as we do what we have to do and, and play Mets baseball, I think we're going to be coming out of this road trip perfectly fine. And like I said, it always comes down to good pitching, which we've had almost all year. The lineup, working the pitch counts of the good starting pitchers that we face, getting them out early, and productive outs, productive runs, and that's what this team did all year. I don't think this team, every time we think they're going to fall apart, they don't. And I don't expect them to do this in this road trip. I think it's very important that the Mets took that game on Sunday and took the series against Philly because it basically stops the Braves from either tying the division or going up by a game in the division, even if they somehow swept, which I don't think will happen. I think the Mets will at the very least win two of those games. You know, you got Scherzer and Jake closing out that series, so I think that's a very big help. I'm pretty sure the Mets are going to be highly motivated tonight to go against uh, Spencer Strider, who, you know, has had a big mouth and, you know, oh, is yeah. called the Mets lucky. So I'm pretty sure they're going to have that going for them. And, you know, all this talk, you know, wh whether it was the Keith Hernandez about the fundies or, you know, all this talk coming as well, you know, from the Braves, you know, the Mets are and the team has taken motivation listening to this stuff, too. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they're not taking any of this lightly. So they're going to come at the no. Braves with everything they got which i'm sure the braves are going to do the same thing as well and we're going to get another good series out of this uh we'll probably get another good series in that philadelphia who you know their pitching staff has been uh, pretty good especially during this past weekend and um i really don't know what we're going to see from the yankees because it's very surprising to see this kind of free fall that they've been on and every time i see something like this i'm always like oh they'll turn it around and and, and they'll come through and i hope that it just doesn't happen when we go to the Bronx, that that's their turnaround. So uh, I don't yeah. know how far the Mets are going to go in this road trip. Um, I, I think it would be very important and a very, you know, stamp uh, of approval on the season if they can come away with a, a winning road trip out here. Yeah, if, if we come out with a winning road trip here, I think that just stamps everybody's... If anybody had a question about this Mets team, and not... Methan, I don't think any Methan has a question about how good this team is. As we talked about on my channel, uh, when it came to, you know, getting credit for from Braves fans, Philly fans, Dodger fans, or just baseball fans in general, or the media around the country, I think it would put the stamp of approval for this Mets team around the country and putting people on notice that this team is something to be reckoned with going into winning the division into the playoffs 
if and when we make it, I honestly think it's going to put the stamp of approval, giving us credit where credit is due. And no matter if you don't want to give credit or not, every, every team has to prove it. The Mets have to prove it, even though they've been really good this year. And like you said, with the Yankees, I don't know what to bring with them. I do know that Herman and Montaz is pitching in that series against the Mets. I was confirmed on WFAN this morning of the two guys that are pitching. So we're not even going to see Cole again. So, I mean, is that, you know, I think Cole is a guy that the Mets could hit. But again, you got Herman, who the Mets faced already in the the, game, the, the games at City Field. And we're going to see Montaz for the first time in a Yankees uniform against the Mets. So the pitching matchups are going to be lining up perfectly because if it stays the way it is with no, hopefully no rain out, Jagram and Scherzer will be going in that series against the Yankees. So again, we're looking ahead of ourselves with that Yankee series. But if the Mets come out of this winning record, everybody should be giving us credit, not just Mets fans, because we're not luck. We're not lucky. We're hitting the ball where they ain't, and that's all you could ask for for a team that just puts good games together, quality start, quality at bat, quality bullpen over the last two three weeks. And now I think we're one of the best teams in baseball, and we got to be ready for people to say, "Uh oh, the Mets are a really good team." and when they play us, they got to be ready for us because if they take us lightly, we're going to hit them in the mount and we're going to knock them out. Well, I retweeted a tweet from SNY during the Buck Showalter press conference. They were asking him about how the Mets were getting their hits and how they were doing a little of these dink and dunk things and, and what has been said about it. And, you know, Buck basically said, at the end of the day, I want to score the most runs in the nine innings so that we win the game. And that's the most important thing, winning the game. No matter how you win it, as long as you're not cheating, you know, just yeah. win the game. <laughs> And the Mets have been doing that, whether it's lucky or what. I mean, I'm pretty sure if Phillies would take that in a heartbeat, I'm pretty sure the Braves would take that. And if roles were reversed and they won four out of five, you know, there'd be no complaining. But, you know, we're going to head into this road trip, take one day at a time, one game at a time, one pitch at a time. And it starts with Cookie Carrasco in Atlanta. Rob, as we wrap up here, please let everyone know what you're working on and where they can reach you on social media. Absolutely. So it's a T-M-W-R-N-Y-M on Twitter and Talking Mets with Rob on every other social media platform on YouTube, on Instagram. You can find me on those platforms. But uh, if you want to check me out on YouTube, just type in Talking Mets with Rob. Uh, I do live stream during Mets games. I do instant reactions during games. You got the live TV broadcast audio from SNY or whoever's doing the game broadcast wise. And also I throw up game day on the screen as well. So you can follow the game multiple ways while following the stream. And also I do uh, Mets news and rumors uh, during the off season and during the season uh, videos that I post uh, during the year. And also I actually, what nobody else does on YouTube with baseball is when I go to a game home and on the road, I go live during the fifth inning of a game so you can get the in-game experience on the channel. If you can't make it to a stadium, I show you the view from my seat and the sounds of the game. So don't forget to please check me out. If you enjoy the videos and the live streams, please subscribe. And hopefully you keep on coming back for more. And Anthony, I do appreciate you uh, having me on today, buddy. Well, Rob, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and cross-promoting with me. Uh, let's definitely do this again. We're going to cross-promote even more as you know time moves on. You take care, buddy. All right? You too. Thank you so much much, buddy. Have a good day. That was Rob Linehan, content creator and host 
of Talking Mets with Rob on YouTube. I will put his links in the description of this episode, including my appearance on his show this past weekend. And that will pretty much wrap up this episode of Subway to Shay. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Subway to Shea. Listen to the podcast on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. If you're a new listener to this podcast, welcome. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you consider subscribing on any of the platforms I just mentioned. Also, make sure to share it with your fellow Met fans. Let them know this is the Mets podcast to be listening to right now. I know there's a whole lot of Mets podcasts out there. There's a whole lot of great Mets podcasts out there. But if you really enjoy this one, please spread the word and let all Met fans know. If you've been a supporter this entire time, I really can't thank you enough. This show would not be where it is without your support so I really appreciate it and because of your support Subway to Shea has gone global this podcast is not only played in the United States but also has reaches across the globe which means no matter where you listen please take a few minutes to write me a review and let me know what you think of the show what you like what you don't like I want to know how to make this show better each and every week so by going on Apple Podcasts rating the show from one to five stars and also leaving comments in the review section it could help me to learn how to make this show a great show each and every week. You can also rate the show on Spotify. That's another option. And also, don't forget to follow my work for Rising Apple. Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the fan side and network. You can read my articles by going to risingapple.com or checking out the links in the description of this week's podcast episode. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog and the fan sided network at Fan Sided. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I appreciate you all so very much. And that will do it for this week's podcast. Always remember to listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.